politics after dark. No filter. No politically correct talk. The Battlefield of Ideals. Late Night Wednesday on Liberty Radio Texas and your favorite podcast servers. Now, let the battle begin with your hosts, Jeff, Stephen, and Josh, and their guests this week on Politics After Dark. Welcome to Politics After Dark. All right, guys, we've got the band back together, right? Yay. Yeah, buddy. I'm so excited. Oh, man, that sounded so damn excited. Come on. All right. You should, <laughs> that's even worse, guy. Come on. Uh, are you sick? Are you are you ill, Josh? Yeah, I'm going to blame it on the, uh, the day quill. Well, you should use night quill. Uh, that's the problem. Yeah, well. If if something else was legal, I might be using that. I don't know. <laughs> but but I, we know we know Dan Huberty won't vote for that. So you know. Well, I mean, you, you know, I mean, I'm sure we're being heard somewhere in, in Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, Stephen Stephen brings us the guest this week for for a change. Actually, we ha- we haven't been on in a while, so we should tell people that. Uh, but it's because. Uh, Holidays and, and life. Holidays, and, Festivus, and yeah. New Year's, and I don't know, something about some people moving into a new house or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's tough. It's been, uh, it's been a little crazy, but we're back, and uh, we're back with a guest by uh, Stephen. So who did you bring us, Stephen? Let's get into this. We have Reginald Grant Jr., who is running – against the incumbent Dan Huberty for House District 127. Uh, He's been a, um, he he has a bachelor's and a master's in uh, public administration. Uh, He's been teaching in the Aldine School District, uh, ninth grade geography. And he is also a former Marine, so Semper Semper Fidelis. Um, Semper Fidelis. Semper. Uh, so, uh, Reggie, why don't you um, tell us why you're running, and uh, we'll go from there. All right, great. Uh, thank you for the introduction. Uh, just one thing, uh, most Marines will tell you that uh, once a Marine, always a Marine, so we don't have former Marines. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, I love the introduction. Thank you so much. Uh, Yeah, so uh, the reason I'm running, I've been a precinct chair for about five or six years now in the district, and I've been uh, involved in Texas politics uh, since undergrad. I I help uh, restart the college Republicans there, and I also um, help establish the first uh, chapter of the Young Conservatives at Texas Southern University. Uh, I believe it was at an HBCU in Texas. So, uh, yeah, I've been pretty active in politics since then. And uh, now that I've been a precinct chair for the past, I want to say two sessions, most of us pre- precinct chairs have been speaking amongst ourselves about 
the our current representative and the job he's been doing and every session he comes back to before every session he comes back to us and tells us that oh i promise to be more conservative next session uh, i promise <laughs> to do this and i'll do that really no. hey at least he gives you that uh our rep here we're not far off i'm right here in dayton so not far from you guys my rep he doesn't even give you those promises oh he don't even pretend to be <laughs> right Republican. he doesn't even pretend to be it <laughs> yeah and Dave well, Phelan, he's just so good looking. Nobody even cares. He's such a pretty boy, and he's so cute and little. And you know, he just, Strauss made him do it. Strauss made him do it. So we can't we can't do anything about it. So that's interesting, Reginald. You know, uh, what what how how can you even run against uh, Dan Huberty? I did not know that conservatives were allowed to run against people like Huberty or some of the other reps around that area. You know, that's what I'm uh, kind of beginning to think, uh, all the backlash I'm getting from it, from mm-hmm. uh, Huberty's team and uh, his little uh, cronies running around. And, uh-huh. Yeah, so. Well, t- uh, explain to them what, what kind of uh, activity they've been uh, haranguing you with. Well, at, at first, uh, we the race first started off, we uh, did the filings, right after the filings. Uh, Huberty's team filed an injunction against, well, filed a petition to have an injunction put in place against the Harris County chairman, the state party chairman, James Dickey, and myself. So he sued us in court to stop the entire ballot draw of the county. And the judge looked at everything and he and the judge was like, you know, this is going to cause a financial harm to everyone involved, and it's just ridiculous. So the judge threw that one out. Then he, he partic- petitioned directly to the Harris County Party Chairman, Paul Simpson, and uh, Chairman Simpson looked over everything, and he came to the same conclusion that I was eligible to be on the ballot. And so then uh, Huberty's team sued me once again in uh, district court. So we've been, uh, they amended their petition um, to the court and they filed it again. And so now we've been going through the whole legal process for the past three weeks. That's absolutely wow. insane. Like, it is. You like, it, it you, is. Uh, that's so, like a, that's kind of like mafia scene, right? <laughs> I had a conversation a few months ago with a certain somebody about the dirty tricks that the establishment plays against insurgent candidates. And uh, yeah, hate to say this, guys, but I told you so. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Reggie, you, you, you probably should go into a little more detail as to what it is that uh, he's bringing against you in the chart and why he's bringing those charges against you. Oh, yes. That would probably be a, a lot helpful. Uh, yeah, so me and my, my wife uh, are currently going through a divorce. So mm. as part of our divorce, you know, we wanted to make sure that the children stayed in the home that they're familiar with and that they've lived all their lives and nothing is already hard enough, you know, the process of going our separate ways. But we, we want to make it less harmful to the children as possible. So having them in a familiar place that they're familiar with, that they've always lived, that's what we decided to do. So while we're going through this divorce, uh, we uh, our lawyers kind of came up with 
you know, she'll maintain control of the property during this first part until we go to mediation and figure out where to go from there. And you'll, you can maintain, I guess, uh, the rights that you have at your father's home. So that's the agreement we came up with just before mediation, because the, our court requires us to go through uh, mediation and reconciliation to see if we can fix what's broken in the marriage before the divorce is even finalized. So that's the process that we're going to, and we haven't even made it to that process yet of the reconciliation, mediation and everything. So he's trying to say because of that, that I no longer live in the district. I no longer reside in district. And therefore you're not eligible to represent the district. Right. And, and so that's, that's the game that they're playing right now. Um, you know, there is case law that supports his position and um, that's been presented to the judge. Uh, the Huberty team has since um, filed for a summary judgment and uh, so Reggie's team has until, what is it, Wednesday, I think it is, to make a response. And then as such, summary judgment will come forth on uh, Friday, this upcoming Friday. However, um, just because that's all happening, that does not mean that we are going to, uh, I mean, we've, we, we, we feel that we've already delayed any kind of uh, campaigning up till now but from this point forward we're, we're just gonna start campaigning as if everything's on the go and uh right now as even as we speak uh we've got somebody working on a social media uh post that uh should be pretty good uh if not tonight then sometime tomorrow so yeah but yeah that's that that's the uphill battle that reggie's facing right now so and, yeah uh, we're all all intensive purposes uh, for anybody that's curious as to what my involvement is. I I agreed to be his treasurer, so that's hmm. what that's what my part is in all this. Okay, well uh, I don't know. Residency is a uh, usually an uphill battle for somebody, but you're saying you already has something that supports him. Uh, he's just using the divorce as support. That's what him and his team use. You know, they came in court, they pulled, put forth my di my divorce petition. They also put forth a petition with like social media posts that I post um, about my car tires being stolen while at my father's house. They're saying, "See, see, look, he got his car tire stolen at his father's house, so he doesn't reside in the district." Oh my and, goodness! Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he's it, it. It's been uh, pretty ticky tacky. But you know it is Dan Huberty and it is Alan Blakemore. Yeah, I've had that. I've had this issue in a uh, uh, in a local chairman's race before uh, with uh, district uh, things because someone was in college. How stupid! But anyway, <laughs> yeah, that's dumb. Yeah. So, what what positions are you uh, running on, Reggie? Well, some of my key position one is uh, property tax reform. Um, really, uh, in a perfect world, we'd like to see the property tax system that we have here abolished because the current system, it's the way it's implemented is um, unfair, it's discriminatory, and is inefficient. So really, I would like to see the property tax system in Texas uh, repealed 
done away with. Uh, but if we can't do that, I think uh, caps need to be put in place on how much a locality can raise your taxes per year and how property taxes are assessed. Uh, that's one of the key issues in my uh, campaign. Another one is expanding school choice. Um, school choice as far as vouchers, also uh, education savings accounts, um, uh, charter schools for private schools. You know, so just a school choice, given that opportunity to parents, the ability for them to be able to send their children to schools that they feel will meet their needs, even home. Yeah, I think that's great. Uh, we have a Republican in my district who 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 proudly does not support that, which I have to remind him often that that is against the plank of the Republican Party. But, you know, uh, <laughs> he he uh, he loves him some public school, which public school is important. Don't get me wrong, but um, uh, there are other avenues and your property tax uh, stance. I definitely agree with or I'd like to see them. Uh, how do you feel about the uh, central appraisal districts uh, being elected? You know, I, I'm not really sure. I, I think with the, I think when any position that you where you have someone who's elected to that position, I think it brings about a little bit more accountability to the uh, and uh, ability to get recourse as a citizen. If you're able to have that ability to vote someone out if they're not doing the correct job or. Well, I just, uh, I, you know, I know at least yeah. where I live, they like to think I live in a, um, a half a million dollar mobile home. So I would love to be able to hold some uh, appraisal districts uh, responsible. Yeah, that's, a, that's an issue across Texas. I think it definitely needs to be going to, uh, you know, we need to move towards those folks being elected because it's basically just a little fiefdom. Right. They get to run and uh, they get to do whatever they want pretty much without any kind of scrutiny. So, yeah, I think that's something that needs to change. Um, but we know the Strauss and Huberty and people like them love the status quo when it comes to education, to these fiefdoms that we were just talking about, and pretty much everything else, you know. So we're not moving forward. A lot of these guys, you know, Huberty included, what do you think about them pretty much, uh, Reginald, about – them just ignoring the planks of the party platform, if not most of the platform itself. No, it, it just shows that these guys, they don't respect the voters in their district. They feel that uh, they can get over on the voters. They could tell them anything and the voters will just willfully, you know, go along with reelecting them, making sure that their pensions, their lifetime pensions are secure by reelecting them to these positions. And it was uh, Huberty um, was chairman of the education committee. And he, he said, you know, any measure on school choice was dead, dead, dead on arrival. As he was quoted saying this past session. So, um, yeah. we, you know, what we're getting with him with school choice and when it comes to freedom and education. Yeah, that even that that occurrence actually happened on a trip talk. Um, videos feed and you know the the host of the show apparently was joking and to, Huberty wasn't and, and and no Huberty definitely wasn't and he made no intention of walking it back to make it sound as if it really were a joke but um you know he 
apparently he did author some uh, uh, some special needs legislation that um, I, I actually went and testified in favor of, but um, somebody else carried it. I can't remember who. No, it wasn't Taylor. Um, <clears throat> so you know, he, I think it was, was it James White. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. I don't think White. it was James White. I I forget who it was. Some I'll, I'll recognize the name someday, but not tonight. So, but I, the only reason that he would author that kind of a bill is because you know he does have a kid that is special needs, and um, you know, as, as so as far as special needs is concerned, you know, he'll he'll try to fight that battle as much as he can. But as far as everybody else, you know, <laughs> tough luck, you know. So yeah, I, that's, I called think, you know, that's called it, representing that's representing self-interest. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not exactly. really caring about yeah. anyone else's. Yeah, it's it's interesting oh, yeah. how blatantly against the party platform Bales and Huberty are at least Strauss and in my state rep Dade Phelan, at least they operate with a little bit of finesse, you know, whenever they're lying to the, the constituents, you know, and I think most of the party has been content with what Reginald was talking about, you know, to be lied to because they don't want to be out of line. They don't want to raise any hell. They don't want to, you know, let's not, let's not go, you know, let's not be one of those crazy people who, you know, want to change things. Uh, but I, I do think more and more people are getting involved as precinct chairs and elected officials and in elections. And, and I think the tide is slowly turning. I, I wonder what you think about that, Reginald. Do you believe that folks, you know, just regular folks that used to kind of ignore the process and not be part of the process are beginning to, you know, pick up and, and get involved that didn't used to because they're seeing that the, the party operators who've always run things are just, they're happy to let things be the way they are? Huh. There, there he is. is. Yeah, I hear you. What's All that? right. There we are. All okay. right. All right, Josh, ask your question again. This is back. <laughs> okay, the shorter version is, do you, do you think, <laughs> do you believe that people are beginning to uh, get more involved in <laughs> the party, <laughs> the party processes, precinct chairs and, and things like that, and, and because they're, they're beginning to recognize that the status quo is the the call, you know, of, of the part, those people that, that have run the party forever, they're happy with the status quo. They're happy to not raise, raise hell or say anything about the way things are going about the Strauss status quo. Do you, do you believe that that tide is beginning to turn and regular working folks are beginning to, you know, get in and the grassroots are starting to speak up? You know, I do see that. Um, it, it, it seems like the, the peeps, a lot of the people who've called them, themselves the grassroots uh -huh. uh, have, have really been part of that complacent uh, old guard. Mm -hmm. And now you have this kind of wave of new people coming in, not just young people, but also older people who were never really part of the political process until this uh, past election. I don't know if you caught but it's because of uh trump or not president trump but you know there are a lot of people who were brought in, who are getting into the fold because of you know, his presidency and getting involved and I, I think that's kind of scaring a lot of that old guard and you know people are coming in and, and saying you know hey 
you know, politicians have been lying for years about what they're going to do and mm -hmm. how they're going to do it. And now we're involved. We, we want to see them be held accountable. We want to see them do what they say that they're going to do. And I've even heard um, people uh, in my district, some of the older people, uh, at, before I even filed to run, they were telling me, well, why don't you uh, sit down and talk with uh, Dan before you decide to file? You know, we don't really like primary battles. We oh, Lord. Party. I yes. hate hearing that. <laughs> yeah, they're really. And it's, it's always these old people who don't yeah. want to get their, their, their hands dirty. I don't understand that, you know. Well, why don't you we just We need talk to get to some it. blood on the mat if we're going to change anything. You know? well, well, I'll tell you why. It's because they're politically lazy. Yeah, well, and I yeah, don't. Yeah, of course I, they are. But look, that, why don't you talk? To, I don't need to talk to I know what his stance is. And it's a problem. I, that's always my response. But, you know, I'll push back even on, on a little what you said, Josh, who said, well, we don't want to be the crazy people. I mean, how insane is it to want to follow the platform? I mean, that's just crazy. You yeah, know, to stick up with the great that. policies that are written out in the platform. Right. We to can't, somehow yeah. expect that from our elected officials is crazy. That's or, just crazy. Or out of the mainstream. That, you know, the, 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 the planks that, you know, what is it, ten, almost 10,000 delegates voted on? That's <laughs> just crazy. <laughs> oh, hello? I'm here. Yes. Everyone got okay. quiet. Yes. <laughs> it's it's just kind of went there? dead all of a sudden. <laughs> yes, <I'm> like, <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I'm not. I'm not gonna get myself too worked up. I'm not. I'm not going to say any colorful words or anything. I'm just saying. Yeah, I'm not either. So it's too close to election season. <laughs> right. I gotta. I gotta win as a precinct chair again. So you know. <laughs> you got. You got somebody running against you. Do you have somebody no. running against you? Okay. okay. No, nobody's yeah. gonna run against me. Last time, nobody ran against me, but our our county chairwoman who's a big establishment hack, Right. she threw somebody up against me. And I honestly, if I asked to see that person's paperwork, I bet you it doesn't exist. So, you know, we did have somebody last time, but not this time, no. Okay. So, but we don't have that party chairwoman anymore. We have a, a conservative great chairman guy, now. Yes. So. Is anybody running against David? No, Good. no, but all, the, uh, all of the elected officials in Orange County who are scared to death of David were urging our former chairperson, I'm not even going to say their name because I don't want to give them any name ID right. uh, boost, were, they were urging that person to run against him because they wanted a return to the status quo because he is scaring the crap out of the elected officials in Orange County that, that, by holding them accountable for their votes. Yeah, that, that happened here for a little while, and now it's just so peaceful. Uh, they've all gone away here, so I wish you the same. <laughs> I wish you guys the same over there in Orange County. Um, things run run much smoothly when everybody is kind of, uh, you know, we still don't agree on everything, but at least we're all uh, for the betterment of the party and we all agree in following the platform. So um, there's not a lot of these games, which is what this episode started with. Uh, you know, we had those, you have those games in local parties too when, uh, when the establishment gets unhappy. And uh, I've certainly dealt with that myself. And there, um, it's much, much nicer when things are done fairly and by the rules. So, uh, Josh, the yep. good, good days for you guys are coming. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, they are. So, so Reginald, what do you think about getting, getting down in the dirt and pointing out the actual votes? Which, apparently, pointing out the way someone votes, especially if your name is Ernest Bales, 
uh, or, yeah, or I'm guessing the same the same thing applies out there in Kingwood at Tascosita yeah, area. That's dirty. You if you point out votes, yeah. that's dirty. Do you believe that to be true? That it's dirty to point out how somebody votes? No, no, I don't think that's dirty. I think uh, dragging somebody through frivolous lawsuits and <laughs> right <laughs> spend campaign money on them and uh, throwing up their divorce uh, filings in the court for some <laughs> stuff. I think that's dirty, but. Well, not only is it dirty, but it's it's petty and it's it's a punk move. It's well, like that's a what I was gonna. Move. I was just thinking that, Josh. It's like, are you that scared, dude? I don't. That's horrible, man. Um, to take those tactics. But uh, you are right, uh, Josh. We we definitely have that problem here. It's considered dirty when you uh when you bring up somebody's voting record. If you're going to play that way, I'm going to make you sorry. Uh, we even have a candidate threatening a, a woman. That's always wonderful to hear. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah. Well, it, and you know, it's interesting too because I've talked to uh, some people that have supported Dan Heberty in the past. One of them apparently is really good friends with his chief of staff. And uh, we ran into her at dinner one night uh, last week and she you know she was basically asking if the kingwood tea party was supporting reggie and i said we haven't interviewed him yet but i am for sure because i'm i'm his treasurer and she said yeah i saw that and i said and you know i don't understand why you basically support a democrat i said his voting record is democrat basically and she just has this terrified look on her face like yeah, yeah i know yeah i know and uh what was it it was back in november uh the f outgoing president of the kingwood area republican women um i stood there and i looked at her i said how is it you guys can still support dan huberty oh it's because he brings in money she says i'm <laughs> Looking at her, I'm going. Yeah. That's all that and, 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 and that's and that's the only reason. That's the only reason he can he can hold us fundraiser for his, our PTA and raise twenty thousand dollars just like that. I'm sitting there going, PTA doesn't need Dan Huberty to come raise you twenty thousand dollars. Then I asked her, so do you know about his voting record? And then it's when she looks at me with a little bit of shame in her and says this says it with a little bit of shame in her voice. Yeah, I know about his voting record. What the fuck are you doing? God damn well, it. Which, which, shows, which shows the nature of most even Republican voters that it's all about what you can do for me, not about how you vote. You can go ahead and vote to keep funding to kill babies or vote to keep killing babies, and it's just fine as long as you raise me money from my local PTA. And I had a, I had this kind of this pretty much the same exact conversation after Harvey. You know, I know you guys got hit hard out there in Kingwood. We did too in Orange. And one of my one of my county commissioners, you know, he, we were we were voting to censure. Uh, no, no confidence. We were doing a no confidence vote at the Orange County Republican Party of the Speaker of Strauss. And this was the day before he he decided not to run again, which we kind of took a little credit for, or at least tried to. Um, and he. <laughs> You know, he basically said, you know, he he sent a bunch of supplies to Orange County. Strauss did. He said, like, a, I think he said one hundred and fifty thousand dollars worth of 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 emergency supplies to Orange County. 
that arrived at the Jack Brooks Airport. And I'm like, so that's all that matters? We don't care how our leaders vote or where they're bringing us or what direction they're leading us to. You know, I'm like, look, I know you guys are the adults in the room. And any of us who try to stand on principle are looked at as as devious little children who are just making trouble. But eventually, the way we vote and our principles that we talk about and espouse in our party platform means something. We can't just keep running and reelecting you guys because you pretend to stand for these things. And then when it comes down to brass tags, when you vote, the very thing we send you to Austin for or to the county commissioner's court for, you, you, you vote contrary to the very things that you run on right. and that we agreed with you on when you told us you believed them on the campaign trail. So, Reginald, um, if, <laughs> if, you get a, if you get elected, man, and you do the same thing, uh, <laughs> I, I, I like this line from this book that I read from uh, – from a, a, an author named Dave Ignatius, he says we need we need nailers, not hangers. So uh, I'll be there ready to nail if you uh, if you betray us like Huberty has, buddy. <laughs> but I think you're quite the opposite. I'm sorry. That's I'm right. Sorry. Like I said, I'm a Marine, and Marines we live by a certain code of ethics, and in in that code of ethics we have Marines never lie, cheat, or steal, and you have my word. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to steal from you, and I'm going to cheat you. Promise. If I do something that's out of line with what I've campaigned on and what our party stands for, I, I want everyone to call me out on it. I want to, I want to be held accountable for it. Wow. If you if you get a chance to be in a forum or debate with Huberty, you should say just those words, my friend. Right, exactly. Because I don't. I I really doubt he would be willing to echo those words. <laughs> uh, no, because then he would now have an angry mob on his hand at the forum. <laughs> yes, tell me how I have failed the party, and boy, would that go downhill fast. Yeah. Oh, good grief. No kidding. Oh, jeez. But yeah, no. Um, anyway. So property tax, school choice, those are, those are great. What else are you looking at, Reginald? Uh, eliminating the business margin tax, you know, uh, the purpose of it was, I believe it, it was projected, well, when they said, when they, when they were promoting this business margin tax, they said, oh, it's going to bring in, I, I want to say it was about $26 billion, but I think on average it's only brought in about maybe four or six, but what it does is it makes doing business in Texas more expensive, um, it's a burden on small businesses, and it just needs to be done away with. You know, a lot of these unnecessary taxes and regulations, there seems to be a trend here. They always seem to hit small businesses and not the corporate cronies that line the, the, the pockets of Speaker Strauss and Huberty and, and all of their ilk. Uh, well, why do you think that is? That's very interesting. I think a lot of it has to do with uh, special special interest, you know, them being able to make sure that their campaign coffers are lined, uh, making sure that the, their their uh, government contracts are, are bringing them in more money into their personal bank accounts. That's a big issue when it comes to the Texas legislature. Um, part of the ethics reform that we need to go about, you know, lawmakers having also having contracts with the government 
that's something that's a huge conflict of interest that needs to be addressed. Yeah, I agree yeah. with that. Yeah. Do you do you find as much pushback working as an educator? I I worked in the Port Arthur Independent School District for a year after college myself, so I I know what I saw. I'm just curious to see what um what you encounter on a daily basis uh, from the Aldine ISD or or as a teacher in general. If you don't want to really put a target on your, your your the people who pay your your salary, you know, as a teacher, what do you encounter on a daily basis that uh, you could shed some light on for us as a conservative. Uh, you know, I, I teach uh, world geography, so it's the social studies department. And in my social studies department, I, I would say I'm probably the only real Republican, I guess you could say, in the social studies department, self-identifying Republican, a conservative Republican at that. And um, I, I, I see, you know, just the way different lessons are taught and the how things are defined i, I see a bit of li liberalism in there um, a lot of times like i i don't even teach out of the textbooks i went to the textbooks my first year teaching there and started crafting lessons and going through the textbooks and i was like oh no we can't do this <laughs> this is ridiculous and uh so i i've spent a lot of time searching online for different lessons that are kind of alternative and what I see to be more, uh, more in line with, I guess, the values we hold uh, traditionally as Americans. And, but uh, I would say that I don't get much pushback from the other teachers in the school, like when, especially when it comes to school choice. A lot of teachers uh, see the problem with the public education system. Um, I tell people all the time when it comes to uh, the last session, there was a measure in there to put more money into expanding school choice and special education that uh, failed. And some of my classes, uh, I have about two classes where just about half of the population in the class are special education students. Mm -hmm. and, and because of the way the laws are structured and written, we have to be very careful about how we are differentiating instruction to those students and how we um, address them in class because you don't want to single them out uh, because or do anything that shows their I guess you could say special label you know because it might violate the law that are on the books when it comes to special education yeah and so it, it's hard to conduct the class and you may have a student that has certain triggers that set them off, uh, but you can't tell the other students, hey, you can't walk by that student on that side because that could set off one of his triggers and he could just go into a rampage and start throwing things and kind of freak out. Or you, you can't I tell them that, but you still have to be able to conduct the class. And it, it's just very difficult. So there are a lot of issues that need to be addressed when it comes to uh, special education in the classroom. I, I have to tell you something, Josh. I, I think, um, at least I'm finding this more and more common, educators, when you can get them in private, are very supportive of school choice uh, and things of that nature. They're very aware of the problems. Um, 
Yeah, they'll you say know, that in private, but and, they uh, can't well, say it. No, of course uh, not, because you've got an earshot yeah. of their their overlords. Right. You know, the unions. Well, the unions, who, oh, and, and they dare not. Well, no, yeah, the, they would not. Target on the unions and the uh, and the administration is is the problem. Yeah, the administration right. is almost always very liberal, right. uh, and it's really difficult to, uh, you know, I, in Port Arthur, you know, of course, it's it's pretty much all Vietnamese, black, and and Hispanic, so you know. They, 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 they have this, uh, at least most of the administrators, I had one cool principal at Memorial uh, who was like, look, you teach all kids the same, you treat them all the same, you don't treat any different because of this, that, or the other, this, this, that's whatever you start opening Pandora's box. But a lot of these other ones, they, not only the curriculum needs to be a certain way to, you know, stay in, in, in form with their theme of, this liberal idea of history, this liberal idea of languages, you know, really only, only mathematics is, I would, I would think would be immune to this kind of foolishness that they, they put a slant on everything as far as the curriculum goes. And then also, you know, the way you talk to certain students, if you don't happen to share the same race as those students, uh, I found that, you know, I just loved all my kids and was good to all of them. And, and I basically, you know, was the same to all of them. If they got out of line, then, you know, guess what? I got them out of the class. I don't have time for that foolishness. So, you know, I, I don't, I don't have this, this different ruler for, you know, ruling, uh, you know, ruler for everybody just because of this, that, or the other. But I do understand what, what Reginald, what you're talking about. I had a kid that was bipolar, not bipolar. What was it? He was, um, he had like, uh, he had to take pills because he was, kind of nuts you know honestly uh and and he would throw throw furniture at the other kids and everything else and like you were talking about certain things would trigger him and i couldn't do anything i had to wait until a, a principal or someone else came and removed that child from my room whenever he just started acting crazy it's it's very interesting that a lot of people i guess i'm, I'm guessing aren't aware but these kids are typically in the general population of of most of the classes they're not in different classes or different, you know, until there's some violent act that happens, they don't even get separated into one of these alternative schools until somebody really gets hurt. Uh, and it's, it's interesting that that, that, that's the litmus for anything actually happening, uh, of, of any benefit that for that child and for the other children, you know, for everyone to be actually educated, those folks need special attention. They need, you know, they need to be in a, a class with folks like them and with teachers that know how to deal with that or that are even given the freedom to deal with that because most of the time you can't, you can't discipline these children anymore. Um, I think we should go back to the good old days of paddling, honestly. But, you know, with those kids, it's different. You know, they, they, they've got real issues, you know, and some of it is only solved by medication and some of it is solved by being in particular classes or even schools. So um, just wonder what your thoughts are with that. You know, you, you alluded to it a minute ago, Reginald. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and I see it all the time. Like there's an incident with uh, me and the student last year. You know, I was just trying to correct the student, telling him what he needed to do. And he just snapped and attacked me. Mm -hmm. And I kind of restrained him and like helped him back. But after they collected everyone's statements and everyone, just about every student statement matched mine, I said what happened. They're like, well, 
you kind of aggravated the situation because you shouldn't have pointed at him because pointing <laughs> it oh can be God. taken aggressively. I was like, are you kidding me? And they're like, so, oh. <laughs> it's interesting. The, basically, the, the child, no matter what the issue is, is never wrong. It's, it's really strange to me. And we wonder why we have problems we have. <laughs> right. Yeah. And you know, most, of, most teachers that I know with, with children, um, elementary age children, they send them to private school. Most of the public school teachers that I know. And I don't blame them. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Isn't that interesting? Huh. So you're legal? Well, go ahead, Josh. So do you uh, do you foresee being able to proceed with this election, or, or do you think uh, do you feel like they may be uh, you know be successful in booting you out of the race because you're one of those evil troublemaking conservatives? You know, I, I see things going in our favor, um, but what it's really doing, I think their real aim is to kind of uh, dry up our campaign funds and also scare off donors. Because there are a lot of donors out there who uh, want to see how this is going to play out before mm -hmm. they contribute. Uh, a lot of people, you know, I guess it's kind of uh, in our society, kind of the nature of our society to be want to get behind the winning horse, I guess you could say. Yeah. So uh, a lot of people want to wait and see, you know, how this is going to prevail before they get involved. But not realizing that, you know, time is running out. And, you know, we're trying to run a campaign here, a winning campaign. And by not donating or holding off, it's just... Well, Reginald, uh, I, 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 back, I, back, I back a lot of losing horses. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm proud of that, because uh, that I really bothers me. I don't uh, I don't play my politics like a college bracket, uh, so I think I'm I'm going to bet the guy that's the best guy, not uh, who I think is going to win. So I wish more people would do that. Maybe we wouldn't be in the state we are in. Same, yeah, yeah. I, I don't understand that. I, I mean, I get it, because that's what most people they want to seem like they were right all along. People want to jump behind the winning horse, and uh, it doesn't matter what the principles are surrounding that candidate, sadly. But, um, you know, I wish you all the best, man. And, uh, you know, I, I've, I shared some things with these guys about people they were talking to or things that they were talking about, you know, looking into. And, uh, you know, there's a certain expectation of what comes along with, with running for office, man. And I've seen a lot of things. And, this may just be the beginning, bro. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. But, <laughs> right. uh, keep on fighting the good fight, but uh, don't expect it to get any easier whenever you're running against one of these well-funded, you know, Strauss lackeys who basically do his bidding at every turn. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So do you guys have any idea what would happen if Reggie were to go ahead and win the primary yet not be eligible? Do you know what that would be? Yeah, I have no idea. I've I, never, I've never ha heard of a situation like this. That would be really weird. I don't know. Um, I don't know. See, at least uh, in my opinion. Well, let me I, tell you. Let I, me well, tell you. Look, residency is usually an uphill battle for people because Texas residency mm -hmm. laws are just uh, so obscure. <laughs> you know. Um, right. Uh, but, it's odd. It's odd that somebody's challenging him on that. 
Well, it, if if he is found ineligible, and if Dan Heberty loses to him in the primary, and you know, granted, this is all a big if. It would be the precinct chairs that vote on who the next rep would be. That's how that would play out. Is it, or would there have to be a special election? I don't know. No, that no, that's oh, how okay. it would play out. Okay. That's how it would happen. Wow. Yes, well. So what way? The makeup of one your way precinct or chairs are human or people, right? Right. So better better have a lot Matt. of precinct chair friends. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. Um, you know, I, I, I think, I think we as precinct chairs would have to honor the voters and their uh, uh, wishes not to have Huberty represent the district anymore. That, yeah, I mean that's the. I mean, me as a precinct chair, that's the way I would go. Uh, it's how the voters went. Uh, really, to me, there'd be no question. <laughs> but who knows? You know. Yeah, with with Huberty and the things that he's pulling now, who knows what would happen? You know, uh, with with him and Strauss and all that Strauss money, you know, uh, he has nothing to lose going out. You know, so I wouldn't doubt it if he got involved in the race. So it, it would be interesting to see what happened. But uh, you know, all you can do is I hope hopefully Reginald, you're you're you know talking to everybody and letting them know the disparities between you know you and the other candidate and. Let him know really why you're running this race because people, that's the, the Bible says that my people perish for a lack of knowledge. And uh, that's typically the case with most uh, voters, why, why they are layabouts, because they don't know that this guy has been voting, you know, horribly and hasn't been representing the district very well. And it takes pointing out those votes and those disparities between you and him. Let me ask you guys, does, does, how does this lawsuit he's doing play to the voters, you think? Because to me, that would play very negatively. Well, um, it does play negatively. Like I said, to me, that's odd. Just odd in general. Uh, but, but even more so with his position and where he's at. I would, to me, I think that would play pretty poorly uh, to the voters that he's being such a a hole, <laughs> you know. Well, just I, I just a word of advice: the the ad hominem attacks don't play well with the older voters. They don't right. like all that. I get so that. I, right. The, the 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 truth is the best defense. So, sticking to his record and him contradicting things that he's said on the record. Uh, in his votes, that's the best thing. That's the best ammunition for you to repeat and create an echo chamber around. Oh, yeah. I've also, I've also received uh, several different calls uh, from people wanting to remain anonymous. And they said that, you know, um, I, I'm close to uh, Huberty or I'm close to his consultants. And what they're going to do if you prevail in this lawsuit that they're going to paint you out to be the black man. They said the typical black man who runs out on his family. Oh, wow. Divorce. I think well, that, would be, I, that would be absolutely the you know, worst mistake they could do. If that's the case, do. Reggie, if yeah. that's the case, Reggie, then what we'll end up doing is we'll just paint him as being the most racist motherfucker you could ever well, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh, my God. I swear to God, if that, if that does happen, Reggie... I want you to be prepared to utilize that. Yeah, well, I, 
I have a black conservative candidate as well that, that we've spoken to before, and he got some of those same type of threats from someone that was uh, working around and or with a candidate. Uh, I won't say who, but, you know, it's very <laughs> interesting the calls that you get in the middle of the night and the yeah. threats that you get, not only as a candidate, but also the, the people that are on the team with the candidate uh, and some of the, the expletives that, you know, the very things Republicans are scared, supposedly scared to death of being painted as, but yet it's they, right. they, they, yeah, they, they utilize these type of words and this phraseology in, in cowardly uh, threats with, with block numbers. It's, it's crazy. And, and I've, I've even told some of them, I'm like, look, man, I'll tell you where to meet me and we could just talk about this, you know, and you know what I mean by talking, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> uh, we'll talk about this like men, you know, uh, so, you know, these, these people are cowards, right. you know, and I have an idea who a few of them are since I work, I used to work on Capitol Hill. I have an idea who some of these folks are, but, you know, it's just typical cowardice. They, they love to threaten. They love to intimidate. These people love power. You know, they love it. They they enjoy wielding power and and seeming to be important because you know what happens to ex-members of Congress and ex, you know, state reps and state senators? They, they become obscure. Nobody gives a crap who they are. Exactly. You know, They're like who? What? Oh, he was a congressman? Oh, okay. Well, uh, that that's cool. All right. You know. So that's what they fear is obscurity, you know, because once once they get some young whippersnapper and especially a black conservative that beats them, you know, who's just some upstart who's never run before that. That's the end of their political life. I mean, we saw what happened to Eric Cantor with Dave Brad, right. you know, oh, yeah, you know, once 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 some David comes along and slays the Goliath, Goliath ain't getting back up to run for governor or senator or anything else ever again you know he's going to go hide in the private sector and and pray to god nobody wants to ask him about you know his days in in the texas exactly. house or congress <laughs> can, can anybody so. tell me the last time you heard from uh, john otto i rest my case uh, exactly you know, i mean they just fade into obscurity or they become lobbyists or something you know nobody yeah, cares about yeah. them anymore. they go they go cash in they cash in right. but they're, they're, they're never going to run for anything again i mean guess i mean can you imagine what's going to happen to george p bush if patterson <laughs> comes back and spanks him oh my god for, i hope for, that happens please let that I happen do too. I mean, he's, <laughs> he, he belongs back in florida send him back to florida you know he's trying to he's trying to bastardize the alamo that which is is pretty pretty much on par with being sacrilege in texas you know to try to do anything you know to the alamo uh, that would that would take away from its glory from its history from its you know from the aura of immortality that it kind of you know gives to texans you know we still say remember the alamo yeah. 200 years later you know so it, it's just it's just these people not, and I'm saying all this to get to a point. These people are out of touch with everyday working people. They are out of touch with really regular are. regular Texans who vote, who work every day, who love their family, who go to church. And they actually go to church because they mean it, because they worship God. They're not going to church just to vote and to get their church on. That's what I was you about know? to say. They're not going to church for PR reasons. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, these people are disingenuous. They are scum. You need to pray for them. Don't hate them, but man, 
uh, <laughs> yeah, definitely. These, don't these people, these you people never know will when fall. you have to work with them. <laughs> yeah, true, exactly. And you know something, something I learned in Congress, Reginald, and and you know, never be afraid to uh, keep your your friends close and your enemies closer because you never you never know what issues. And it, this sounds crazy these days, especially with everything being so everything being so partisan. You never know what issue that some Democrat is going to be in agreement with you on. You know, uh, Democrats are really good on patent issues and things having to do with innovation. And honestly, uh, small business, a lot of small business stuff. You know, they're, they're, some of them are good on. I'm not talking about the wacky nut jobs on the on the the you know the west coast and the east coast and and, and in, our, in our case it would be like you know uh some of the, the big cities and the valley you know a lot of these these rural democrats are going to agree with you on a lot of issues so don't be afraid to work with them you know on yeah. some some issues uh mo most democrats i i agree with joe, speaker joe cannon back in the 30s you know when they're in the minority it's their job to shut up sit down and collect their paycheck <laughs> 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 but but that also doesn't mean every now and again when they happen to be right you know uh even a broken clock is right twice a day you know that right. mean you can't work with them so just a just a little tidbit for you well, I think we had a good guest this week. I, I, I'm excited. I hope you prevail in your legal challenge. Uh, Thank you. So uh, you, you sound like you're right on principle and and not. Yeah. Uh, oh, he's definitely right on principle. Well, and not seeking not not seeking power. You know, this whole thing can boil down to Josh. What we've been talking about these last few minutes is people that want power. I don't trust anyone who wants power. That's a problem. Yeah. Because it. <laughs> you know. It, it, it speaks to their uh, it speaks to their person. It speaks to their right. soul and who they are. And if you are only going after power for recognition's sake, that's vanity. And vanity's a sin, my friend. So, you know, you know, we all look. We all are guilty of vanity at some point in our lives. But you know, we need to make sure at best, uh, as often as possible, we need to do things for the right reasons. Um, and most of these folks that we're we're slowly picking off every election cycle, uh, they're they're not in it for the right reasons. And really, as far as I can think of, at least in Congress, besides Jeb Henserling, you know, most of these people in Congress they needed to go. You know, Jeb was about the only good one in the Texas delegation I can think of that that is stepping down. Um, and and I can't think of a good one that's stepping down in the Texas house. <laughs> they all pretty much need to go that are, that are leaving. Yeah. <clears throat> and we know he, Huberty needs to go. So God bless you, man. I hope, I hope you prevail. Yep. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Man. All right. All right. Another episode. We finally got together again. This was uh, interesting. Um, finally. Yes. Finally. Uh, but we we got a good we got a good candidate. I've been going through withdrawals. Uh, right. Uh, the got a good candidate. I really have. I've been going. God damn, we need to do something again. Well, yeah. also before I forget, yes. before I forget, the the website is oh, votereginalgrant.com. Yeah. Votereginalgrant.com. Perfect. Votereginalgrant.com. Y'all go to it, donate, check it out. Exactly. Check out his social media. Follow him and uh, help him. You know, do anything you can for him. If you can block walk, if you can call, 
if you can, you know, make phone calls, whatever you can do, you know, you know people that Reginald doesn't know. So guess what? You have influence on them to donate, to vote. You can bring them to the polls with you. And, yes. you know, you, you, you reach one person and you bring one person, well, you've, you've done something already. Not only – it's not just your job to vote as conservatives. It's your job to go get somebody and bring them to the polls as well. Totally agree. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for listening tonight. Yep, we'll be back next week. You guys have a great week. All right, guys, have a good one. Have a good one, y'all. All All right. See y'all next week. All right, bye-bye.